It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Gabriella and Kai, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thanks for having us. Well, you are so very welcome. I graciously receive and accept that statement. And what an exciting episode we have today, folks. A double trouble husband and wife combination. (laughs) Yeah. Is that the best way to to start off? Well said. Yeah. Well said. Double trouble. So, if you had ninety seconds to live, and you had to explain to someone who you both were and what you did before the world ended, enlighten us. We are growth, evolution, transformation. Love seekers, and we live to understand the depth of life. And that's, I think, resume very well who we are in just few words. Yeah, I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but it's all I love hearing the the spiritual divine download of trying to articulate who we are when we when we wear so many hats right and i think to the layman maybe a really basic way to describe who you are is is in terms of the work that you do would be life coaches right if, from a very base fundamental being but to call you guys life coaches is like calling me um a wimp i don't know it's just out of alignment <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we've we've been we've been escaping that box for a while. Yeah, in, in the sense that it no longer feels like something that's authentic representation of who we are and and really what we what we transmit. Um, you know yeah. what what we bring to the people that we share our life with and our love with is all of our life experiences and and our highest level of consciousness transmitted to that person with the intention of awakening a deeper spiritual experience. And in terms of relationship, a spiritual partnership, a space where the relationship, the container of the relationship can actually become a vessel of growth, spiritual growth for the, for the couple. And that's, um, really i would say what distinguishes our work is of course there is the personal things that need to get taken care of you know a lot of people go to counseling or they go to therapy or they go to coaching for that where we really focus is to bring people into other dimensions of experiences experiences of love that are beyond what they've known so that they can share that and grow together with their partner with that love and so we're in in many ways focused on transcending the personal in the yeah. relationships while understanding how important it is to know how to manage that. We have a family, we have three boys. We're currently traveling, you know, for the last five months. We're on a six-month world tour from Bali to Italy to Canada to the United States to Barcelona. We, you know, how do you navigate like 
conscious parenting? How do you navigate? Where do your kids go to school if you want to travel? Like we're figuring out all of those things through our spiritual path. You know, conscious parenting is a part of our spiritual path. Conscious relating, relating. conscious relating, conscious sexuality, and our own personal spiritual practices that we do on a regular basis. And then, you know, experiencing life. So how do you mix all that up? And how can you share that and give that to people in a way that their life becomes more enriched spiritually and materially? And, and I never would want to do any disservice to people that sort of identify as a life coach because I, I had access to a life coach at my very, very beginning journey. And she's a, a wonderful woman, Dolly, um, based out of Mauritius. She was a friend of mine's mother-in-law. <laughs> it's like, do you know any life coaches? He's like, yeah, my mother-in-law. And she did great work with goal setting and 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 I found the goals that I set five years ago that were due to expire this August 2020, just gone. And I knocked off most of the the goal setting. And she had a profound impact on my life. But the work you guys are doing, and you guys are a real power couple. It's probably a way to a really good way to describe who you are and what you do, at least from what I can tell. And the it's this this type of episode will resonate only with people that are on that are aligned in this sort of vibrational frequency. If you're sort of listening to this going, what's going on here? You know, if if you're not feeling it, you know, switch it off. Find find another one that works. But if there's something that's sort of piquing your interest, then maybe explore this. And what I'd love if you could both share each your own journey in a relatively short sort of synopsis. Gabriella, would you indulge us first? So I grew up in a difficult family matrix. I've been really under a lot of stress in my childhood because of the conflict between uh, my parents and the grandparents. And, and, and it's been a lot of suffering and it's been difficult. Uh, and so since I was very little, I'm talking about um, six, seven years old, I knew I wanted to figure out something better about relationships and family in general. I knew I wanted one day to have a family of my own, to have kids, and um, I wanted to create something beautiful, something, an environment that is that can protect like we say always, protect the innocence of the kids and can enhance their talents and their beauty and their growth and their um, so a peaceful environment full of grace, love, and um, honesty also. Um, so that was a, a very big seed planted in my consciousness when I was a child. And then I go for my life and I become an actress, uh, always been interested in uh, humans, in life, in understanding, in interpreting what others feel and what others experience. So I'm curious about experience, human experience. Um, so wearing shoes that are not mine is something that I can do quite well. Um, because I did it for my the first part of my journey. And spiritual growth was like personal uh, work. I was always in the picture because my mom uh, has been always attending workshops since the 90s. So she will send me since I was 15 to these courses. Uh, and so as being part of my um, uh, my growth, really. Of my of my life, um, and then I continued and and doing um, a lot of theater, so work on myself, on my body, with my energy. I started doing a lot of um, tantric exercises to use my creative energy to express in on a stage, and from there I, I've been interested in tantra and Taoistic sexuality, and it expanded. So I started taking trainings uh, around that, around conscious sexuality, conscious relating. Um, so I didn't choose this path, but I found myself in this 
path because I wanted absolutely uh, with like being successful in relationships, love. I have three kids and it is my biggest responsibility to provide them with the best environment, best life possible. There's nothing that has more priority in my life than that. They are um, really a big inspiration for this work that we do. Uh, they are my stars and my light and my, um, you know, compass. And um, I was looking for a partnership that will bring me beyond beyond the daily life. So I wanted someone to walk together um, on the path of spiritual partnership, growth, and uh, and life. And I found him on a training um, in Sierra Nevada, Spain. Um, we were doing a training on conscious relating, conscious sexuality, and energy bodywork. Um, so we were both coming from um, a very similar um, situation, and we we came there with the same blueprint, the same desire of for what I just told you. And so when we met, it was just an energetic meeting. I didn't know his name, his nationality, his age. He's 10 years younger than me. Uh, he comes from Canada. I'm Italian. I was living in Bali. So we are completely different people. Um, uh, our families are very different. Our background is very different. But um, we started really being like calamites and we couldn't we couldn't we could not be separated anymore from there and people like couples that were there women and men that were trying to be together were already coming to us we didn't even know why uh to talk about their problems their conflict their thing and so we we already there we we look at each other we, and we we understood there was a purpose for us together for being together and we didn't know what it was but we felt wow people is drawn to us for something and and so we we need to explore that and and so we did now if i'm not mistaken you guys met in a journey an ayahuasca journey before you met physically <laughs> You know, huh? <laughs> Is that trick? Can you expand on that for us? Oh my yeah. god! It was so crazy. The first two days of the workshop, um, you had the option to come a bit early, and they were going to do ayahuasca and San Pedro. And they did uh, actually San Pedro, San Pedro first. first. So San Pedro was first. Yeah. And um, the person who was hosting the retreat is well known for like energetic orgasmic body work so non-touch related energetic orgasm and, and there's you know multiple people out there doing this but he's been around for many years he was in his 70s by the time that we that we met him and uh the san pedro medicine was kind of used as like a conduit for the overall intention of of the the retreat which was to become you know awakened to your energetic orgasmic energy and and so, what is san pedro just for the uninitiated San Pedro is a cactus, uh, one of the plant medicine, one of the, the seven major plant medicines, um, and it's very related to the heart. It's very heart-centered. Um, it's a light kind of medicine. Very, uh, in, in fact, we did the, the ceremony during the day, not yeah. during the night, yeah. because it's supposed to be connected to light, to the sun, to the masculine, and yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's very different than ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is darker and... It's the, gra the grandmother, right? Like, uh, exactly. and I, but I never heard of San Pedro. I only know about like, um, and I'll talk about this later about rape, and then the medical grade MDMA, and then the the penis envy. But um, that's my <laughs> yeah. Which is the name of a mushroom? People, get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Sorry, guy. You never heard of it? It's no, like no, one of the no. most powerful psychedelic um, psilocybin. Um, things that exist, but it looks like a penis. <laughs> so oh. That's why it's called penis envy. Yeah. You learn something yeah. every day on the Become Your Own Superhero show, don't you? 
Yeah. Sorry, right. Kai. <laughs> you keep so, going. You keep going. So, so we started with San Pedro. Uh, it was supposed to be about a four-hour journey, and uh, so we didn't we were... know each other. We just saw each other once, and it was already a magical meeting. But it was like a matter of half a minute, and we hug without saying anything, without introducing each other. We hug for thirty seconds, and then we left. And we saw each other the second time during the ceremony. Yeah. But we didn't know each other's names or anything. No. And uh, so they separated the men and the women on the different sides of the room to create kind of like a polarity, masculine, feminine polarity. And um, probably everyone went through their medicine <laughs> and then they said, okay, you can lay down if you'd like. So we oh, laid down. Probably within 20 to 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, some of the women on the room start going into full body orgasm. So from the energy in the room, they just start full body orgasm. And within, you know, 30, 40 seconds, like other women start going off into full body orgasm. So they, it's like a chain reaction started happening. Everyone started going into full body orgasm on the feminine side. And then I don't know if I was the first or there's someone else, but I started to feel all the wave of their energy. And I started to feel this kind of orgasmic energy going through my body. And I started going into kind of energetic orgasm state and some of the other men as well. That went on for hours. For hours. hours Non-stop. Like Non-stop. Non-stop. Like a journey of like, like energetic yeah. orgasm, multiple energetic, energetic orgasm just in the room. The whole room was orgasmic. And at some point, I started hearing, you know, someone on the other side of the room, and I didn't exactly know who it was, but we started to get into sync. I started to feel like, okay, I'm like, I'm feeling her, she's feeling me, I'm feeling this orgasmic energy. If I let out a sound, she has a sound, and like vice versa. So we, we started like, there was a communication going on. We were making love, but, you know... I was feeling him and I was seeing him and I was feeling him inside of me, but we were completely far apart and not touching and not knowing, not talking, nothing like this. We were just laying down. So he was there. We were making love. And I, yeah. We, yeah, we continued like this for hours. For hours. And, and afterwards, <laughs> yeah, afterwards, I was so shy. I thought, oh my God, maybe this was just my trip. You know? <laughs> I didn't what do one night stands. <laughs> yeah, but as soon as we the ceremony is about to finish, we, we just sit down and we look into each other. And I and I I got that it was reciprocal, it was mutual mm-hmm. because you know there was something, there was an understanding. There was such a tension afterwards because they were closing up the ceremony it was like four hours later they're closing they were like and i just felt like this magnet and they were like okay you guys can go now and as soon as we did we both stood up and just went to each other there was just no thinking it was just there and uh yeah we we just continued to spend time together just absolutely magnetized to one another and we we had the same journey basically mutual journey when we talk and I said, okay, we were together, right? And he said, yeah. So, and we started sharing. We had the exact same experience. And later, even the, the tantric master who was there, he said in the sharing circle after, because they do kind of a sharing integration circle, he said, you two were, uh, you were, you were, you were playmates. You guys were <laughs> playing with each other. You were having a, a conversation. You were, you were moving in sync yeah. all the time. So he so noticed he knew, that he as knew. well. And it just confirmed, you know, what we knew, having his perspective from the outside. It wasn't just our trip. There was definitely an energetic meeting uh, before we met physically, before we talked about where are you from? What do you do? Oh, you have kids. I didn't know she had kids. I didn't know there was any, like, I didn't know her age. <laughs> there was nothing, nothing personal. Nothing. It was an impersonal, energetic lovemaking that connected us. and. Yeah. Um, you know, we, the next night we did ayahuasca and, you know, went even deeper into that process. And it was just a, just a journey for three weeks. We spent three weeks in this like protected, sacred space, exploring each other before exploring the personal. 
Yeah. Um, so it was such a that initiation. Become, that becomes something for our work too, you know, an understanding that since that point, we have chosen partners through filters, the filters of knowing what I want, what I need, what how it sh- my partner should be, should look like, should do whatever. Um, but our choice was never been before that pure is not you i don't choose you personally something chose for us to be together it's very different and that it's 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 really powerful because we're having people come to us come to our workshops we're doing embodiment workshops uh, in the phoenix area while we're here and people are coming and we're doing kind of like sessions with them after and they're saying, look, I, I just left, you know, this relationship because I, I wasn't feeling met. I, I know there's more to this relationship. I, I, I want a spiritual partnership. I want, I want it to not be about the physical. Like, you know, I got the, the, I got my career figured out. I'm living on purpose. I have this, this, uh, you know, finances. That's not I'm a happy, thing. I'm happy. I'm happy. But if I want to get into a relationship, it's going to be with someone who can take me deeper spiritually. Who, who. I who together we can create something that alone we can. Yeah, we didn't even mention that. We never we we don't mention that. But people come to us with this, with this, and that's what we are. So that what we can help people with. And it's a journey navigating because we had the spiritual connection, and then we had to integrate our personal lives. And Not so easy. here's the integration of, oh, I'm, you know, nine years younger. Luckily at the time I was, you know, in my own spiritual process, I would say I'd put a lot of time and energy into it. And I was leading yeah. a community of people spiritually that I was always hanging out with people older than me. So I always felt comfortable being with, it was ageless. I was, I didn't have an age at that point. I wasn't identifying as sure. a certain age. I was a being that was on a spiritual path and you know it age is not a representation of uh that so i was able to integrate with her friends i was able to integrate with the people that she was you know uh, uh, kind of connected to in bali and welcomed very well um i was welcomed by her kids her kids were very open to me because she was so open to me and they had an affinity towards me as well i created a connection with them very soon and we were you know we were living together fairly soon after and and integrating and integrating and integrating uh i would i had to move from canada to bali like it was within months of meeting i was in another country i'd never been in another country living and there was all of this that just happened as a consequence of this incredible connection, the personal stuff just kind of sorted itself out. Yeah, this to to say that there are obstacles, uh, and they all can can be overcome. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like train. You know, it goes. It doesn't matter. It goes. Continue yeah. going. But <clears throat> I, I love and thank you for sharing this. By the way, this is. <laughs> it beats Tinder, right? <laughs> like I, um, we're in in uh, Boca Raton or uh, Del Rey in Florida, as as this is being recorded. It's not where we normally live. And we came to Disney World with uh, some friends, and it was a lifelong dream of Anna's to go to Disney World or Disneyland. And and uh, you know, if for me, it was kind of here nor there. And we had two magnificent days at Disney World, and. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's in Greece at the moment, who lives in Australia normally. And he said, "Oh, where are you in the world?" And I said, "I'm in, I'm in Florida." He said, "Oh, you need to catch up with a friend of mine, Tony." And I said, "Okay, give me his number." And I just rang Tony, and we spoke for about forty minutes, and then pushed out our flights by four days, and and uh, drove three hours down to where he is down here. And his his partner, they're not technically married; they refer to each other as wife. Is Marceline Dyer. Wayne Dyer's wife or widow mm-hmm. and the way in which they met and I won't say what it is because because it, it might be private but there will be a book released at some point but I will say that she was still married to Wayne at that point and for those who don't know Wayne Dyer he's probably one of the most famous people on manifestation hopefully you guys have heard of him 
And um, so we had we've had dinner with uh, with Marceline and Tony, and we're having dinner with them again tonight. And we get to spend time with someone who's, you know, called Ramdas a friend, and and Deepak Chopra's on the phone, like you know, most most weeks. And the way in which they met was at a a seminar in Australia, and just when they shared their story of how they connected. It's so unique in the way that that your story is so unbelievably unique. It's almost like the the uh, you know we went on the Avatar ride at Disney World, and it's kind of like that connection with the um, the dragon that the the Avatar has. You know when they when they bind, that's kind of what you guys had, and that's that's what sort of came to mind as you're sharing that story. Hi, yeah. um, would you give a little bit of your background prior to this as well, and how you? ended up doing what you're doing now. Yeah. So what I think was if looking back the defining moment that set me on a different path than my family, because I, I believe that every person who probably resonates with this, is probably a black sheep in some way. They're, they're outside of the spectrum of conditioning. They're outside of what they grew up in. They're outside of the environment that was imprinted upon them. And mine happened very early, uh, around two and a half to three years old. I had some surgical things, uh, that procedures that were done and that experience brought on very intense, uh, pain, very intense emotions, very intense traumas. And, uh, I believe that those see for me, what makes people touch spiritual dimension is intensity intensity of life. It can be intensity of pain. It can be intensity of love. It can be intensity of, uh, of, in, of focus and attention and awareness. There's many ways to access the spiritual dimension, but they're all through a heightened intensity of experience. And so at a young age, I was given a very intense uh, trauma to deal with uh, that essentially gave me a depth of intensity and experience that the people around me didn't have. And they didn't know how to help me through that. And I felt like I was on a journey of my own. I, I felt like I was alone in many ways in my friend circles. I was, you know, I was kind of in the popular group. I was athletic. I had, I played music and I was in, I was uh, just kind of well-rounded as an individual, but I always felt like I was, I didn't belong with the people that I was with. And I always felt like there was something that was different. And for that reason, I spent a lot of time looking inside of myself, looking for answers, understanding what's there that I, I don't see, because there was always a feeling in my body that I didn't understand what this feeling is. Why am I feeling this way? And by continuing to just kind of be pulled into that, I, I was drawn to things at a very young age that were spiritual in nature. Even during music, I, I played piano from the age of three, around the age of 14, I started to have experiences where I'd be playing a song and then it wasn't me playing, the music was coming through me. There was this kind of transcendent experience. I experienced it first in music. Then I started experiencing sports where I was so focused and, and it was like everything slowed down and I was at another level of awareness. And then I started getting into meditation and I started just, just diving into spirituality at, at around 18 to 20 and uh, came across someone named Sadhguru at one point in my life. Like at, the, at that time I was, I was a healer. I was doing a lot of body talk and energy work and my, my healing path was my spiritual journey. But I remember listening to Sadhguru at one point tell me that um, well, he was saying in, a, in an audio, he said, some people's goal in life is just to heal. But that's just the first step. You know, that's, that's, that's not the ultimate um, goal. The ultimate goal is liberation, enlightenment, mukti. Uh, to be self-realized, to know what you are in your entirety. And as soon as he said that, it was like my healing journey accelerated because when you set a goal, 
you kind of time it so that like you're going to get there and you're going to face the last challenge kind of right before you set the time frame for the goal. So I always thought I'm just going to heal in my life, right? I'm on a healing journey. So I'm going to heal this life time. But when I set the goal for liberation, the healing happened like almost immediately after because healing was just one step on the ladder of enlightenment. And so my life just became a different focus and a different level of intensity. And I, I went really deep into those practices. I took all the programs right away. And the intensity that I was studying healing, I would take like a hustle workshop every other weekend, you know, and I, I, I had a lot of practice. Uh, I was, I would call myself a practitioner because by the time I was four or five years into my healing business, I had done over 5,000 sessions. So I had, I was really hands-on. I was using it as my experiment lab. I, I wanted to understand how humans are put together. So I was studying different systems and working on people and just seeing the impact and just tracking all of these progress, all of these uh, cause and effects in my, in my mind, and then reverse engineering what I had done and trying to do it for other people. So I was always in this lab. When I started getting into the practices, I had a, pro a process that was independent of other people. So I, I maintained these, this type of yoga, Ishi yoga, you know, for the last seven years, almost every single day. Now that I have a son, it's a little bit more difficult to do it every day, but I was so committed that I, I hadn't missed a day up until probably the point that I had a son. And, you know, I was doing four to five hours a day at one point where I was just living in this state of bliss and abundance that was within me. And it wasn't coming from something that I did. It wasn't coming from someone that I was with. It wasn't coming from having money and buying the things that I like. It was just a completely inner dimension. And I lived that way for four or five years, very committedly. Now I was in a previous marriage um, and that marriage ended probably about nine months before Gabrielle and I met. And it ended when something really big was coming up for me. Some of the healing that hadn't processed was coming up and it, it kind of distorted things for me and caught and just kind of set us on a different path. It, it just disaligned us. And I decided in that moment that I was going to handle this, right? It was something that was affecting my masculinity and the way I showed up in relationships. And I started committing to going into that path more in depth to facing that challenge that I had been given when I was really young, face, like face it head on. And so it led me to men's work and it led me to healing my masculinity. Cause that was quite impacted by that experience of being like, like held down and having procedures done. I just felt really powerless and afraid of the masculine, afraid of the aggression, afraid of many different aspects of myself, but also many aspects of men that I had known. And through that work, I started to experience this polarity, this masculine feminine dynamic, this inner universal energies within me. And, you know, by the time that Gabrielle and I met, I had already done so much deep inner spiritual work. And when we finally came together, it was really a meeting. You know, we, we found our spiritual equal, if you will. In many ways, she had been seeking spirituality all her life as well. And I've been seeking to know what this what what this thing was inside of me that kept asking me to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. And when we came together, it's like, <clears throat> you know, having that sacred mirror where you can, you know, life is created with, with masculine, feminine coming together. So there was, there's just some potency, there's some power to when someone holds the masculine pole and the other person holds the feminine pole and this isn't gender related at all but when you have a masculine feminine partner you just it, it's like it accelerates there's a there's an amplification of energy there's a magnification of awareness and energy and as it comes together it amplifies your spiritual path because it forces you to face things inside of yourself that you're avoiding yeah that you like I could bypass many of the things uh, in my in my healing journey because I was a healer and I was looking at other people. I could bypass it that way. I could bypass it because um, I had other distractions, right? I was focused on learning, so I could 
have emotional feelings and be like, oh, that doesn't feel good. And I just bypass that by learning or taking a course. But when you're in that container, and we've 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 maybe spent a handful of days away from each other. I had to um, come back to Canada to kind of sort out my life for four months. So that was the longest we spent apart. But after that, we've almost not spent the day apart. It's been like, we've just been together for the entire time. And that intensity of that container where there's really no escape, when you can create a commitment where there's no escape, you are forced to see what you don't want to see. And your partner becomes the mirror and your partner becomes also the advocate for that healing to occur. Mm -hmm. What we call conflicts, they're just opportunities to see something. And um, they're actually great opportunities to see something. And the more uh, you be you are with the person and the more you overcome and you and you work through these conflicts and you understand what's really behind them, of course, growth is is fast. I, I really, really, truly, deeply resonate with what you guys are talking about because I have the same with Anna and you know, between the four of us, the mathematical probabilities of us uh, meeting our respective partners is so infinite that it's a joke. It has to be divine. And there's, you know, you were brought together in the way that Anna and I were brought together. And and together we are better. And we've had the most extraordinary, you know, period of time on the road here in the US for the last nearly three months and did one period where we drove 2,000 miles in six days. <laughs> <laughs> which nearly resulted in divorce, we ended up having having one of the biggest fights over nothing. And and as the fight was taking place in the car, we pulled into a gas station to fill up and Anna went in to use the bathroom and she was bawling her eyes out. And uh, a friend of mine and someone who you might have heard of, Les Brown, rang and, and uh, wanted to ask me a question about something. And he said, how are you, boy? And I said, to be honest, Les, <laughs> I've just had a huge fight with Anna. We're in the middle of Kansas somewhere, state of Kansas. And uh, he said, are you coachable? And I said, you betcha. When Les Brown calls, you take that call, right? Wow. And he said, during, during moments like this, one of you needs to take a stand for the relationship. One of you needs to take a stand and say, I'm going to be the one that's going to be responsible for keeping this relationship together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of the greatest pieces of advice I think we've ever been given. We, we, uh, you know, then Anna hopped back in the car and, and Les shared that same thing with Anna and we spoke with him for 10 minutes and then he went and then I just got out of the car and went around and we gave each other the biggest, warmest embrace you can imagine and I cracked up laughing as I was hugging Anna because there was a huge billboard behind Anna's head. She couldn't see it. And it had never quit, right? And I took wow. a photograph of it. Never quit. Like wow. we're in the middle of nowhere, the cornfields of wow. Kansas, state of Kansas, right? And I was just like, yeah. all right, thanks, universe. Yeah. So, so when you talk yeah. about opportunities to grow, like – taking a stand for in the relationship and using that mirror that you're talking about, because Anna and I are as close as you two by the sounds. We love, we love each other. She's easily my best friend and I know I'm hers and I've never experienced that with any previous relationship. So it sounds like you guys are on one hell of a path. <laughs> I'd love to hear like how you help people, like someone listening to this going, well, Get to the good stuff, like, but like, what, how do you guys actually improve my life? Because you, your life sounds awesome. My life's a pile of dog shit. Like, help me. So years ago, I was under the shower, and uh, I knew what what are we gonna what we were gonna call how we were gonna call our work, and it's devotional love. And what's devotional love? Devotional love is our brand, what we call brand. But in synthesis, is a, a dimension that we are able to access where 
your heart just melts down, cracks open, and everything is so effortless, so easy to live in is what we call heaven on earth. We can experience heaven is here now. And there is always a possibility to access that heaven we had. And together, it's multiplied. (laughs) And there is this circulation of love that is so pleasurable, so orgasmic. You don't need medicines. You don't need MDMA. It's MDMA. It's in our body. It's DMT. It's a trip. And it's all natural. And it's all healthy. And in that devotional state, we can see, feel, download immense wisdom and immense abundance of any kind. <laughs> Think about uh, material abundance, money, manifestation, um, everything you, you may think about. So we decided to, to call it devotional love. And we came up with 10 pillars. Nine. Nine. Yeah. Uh, sorry, nine, because we, we changed. Um, so these pillars are other dimensions. They're all interconnected that uh, we bring people through um, dimensions like integrity, communication, um, playfulness, evolution, um, conscious sexuality, uh, what else? Polarity. Polarity. Healing. Healing. Co-creation. Co-creation. And, you know, they're all pathways in and of themselves, but they all lead to devotional love. They all lead to this state of love beyond the person. Yeah, it's going to become a book because... It's so clear in our mind, we have to really put it down and translate into a book, even though we, we wrote a lot about it. So we, we bring people to this dimension. We explore every single dimension, uh, whether you're an individual or you're in a relationship already. And in these dimensions, in these pillars or chapters, uh, there are practices that are um, about this dimension, this specific dimension. Um, so in a lot of embodiment practices um, and a lot of work that can be done. And we bring people to um, heal and to integrate that dimension in their um, relationship life. So we go through every dimension until we, can, we see that that couple or that individual can access what we call a state of devotional love. Um, yeah, so there are many things that needs to be in place. Like I give you an example. Uh, integrity, for example, is very important. If you don't have integrity uh, with yourself, integrity with life, integrity with your partner, you can't access the other dimensions mm-hmm. of, of relationships. So we work a lot on that, on aligning the person. Um, so we give exercises to clean up the situation, if there is any disalignment or out of integrity uh, stuff. And that's very common, actually, you know, and uh, people don't don't work on that many times, but it's essential. You have to be clean. The space in between and around needs to be clean. There has to be no uh, lies, no... It's it's impossible you, to work with that. You can't be fully transparent. You know, what we yeah. want to do is we want to strip away everything that's in the way of love, that's in the way of true unconditional love. And so there's all the conditioning that people go through, which we call environmental imprints. Like, uh, for example, um, when you're growing up, you may know about the explicit imprints, which are, oh, I had a trauma. But you may not know how someone holding a secret in your family is impacting you and the way that they avoid it and the way that and then and then you know you're like hey i'm feeling something what's going on oh it's nothing it's nothing it's nothing and you start to doubt your own intuition Mm -hmm. and it's that's such a deep imprint and conditioning people don't even know because it's implicit so there's obvious imprints and there's 
unobvious imprints. And, you know, the majority of what we're noticing lately is the unobvious ones, the conditioning of people also create an identity to adapt to their environment. That's not in alignment with their true nature. Because very few parents have understood how to hold a space that children can can flourish in their true nature. So naturally what you have is you have children trying trying to be loved and to get their attention and their needs met, which is love and connection and, and encouragement and acknowledgement. And, and, and uh, you know, it's for, for you to be able to see what is inside of them, right? If they have an interest that they need to cultivate in this life, what is that? Can your parents see it? Do they help you cultivate that? Or do they have their own vision for you that they imprint on top of you and you just are put into this path that they want for you, right? So there's so much conditioning. And also there's so much cultural conditioning and social conditioning around mm -hmm. a relationship is. So we need to strip away all of that uh, and get a person to a point where they can experience this space inside of themselves, which is of a space of devotion, a space beyond the personal, yeah. that they can then meet and hold connection with another person. So, so it's a process of revel revelation. And getting what well, we say, you know, getting really naked in the relationship. Your heart needs to be naked, raw, exposed, there, available, open. And it takes a lot of work to do that because we went through years and years and years of armoring and armoring and protecting and defensiveness and righteousness. And there are walls and layers. So how can you make work a relationship with two hearts that are hidden behind like masks? And, uh... and, and protecting themselves from pain that's not been addressed mm -hmm. that the other people are triggering. <laughs> like that's the, the normal state of most relationships is like I'm in pain, but I don't acknowledge it. So I'm in denial of it. And I have my protection around it. And this person comes in and they have their way of triggering that, getting past the armor and triggering the pain. And the pain comes up and then it's like, oh, well, you're angry. And then this pain comes up and it's like pain against pain and anger and anger and like protection. So how do you navigate that situation in the moment to bring resolution? How do you, what are the tools? Yeah. What is the awareness that how you need to have? Do you stay open in your heart and connected to the other person without creating separation when you're feeling that excruciating pain that naturally want wants you to to do like this mm -hmm. but how do you stay connected how you don't disconnect from that person and and that's that's it's very unnatural the, the practice it's a very that's unnatural the process because we're literally teaching people how to go beyond their coping patterns of how they learn to deal with life, which are deeply ingrained. When you learn, when you can break those patterns, you, you release layers of conditioning and karma that's preventing you from being open again and connecting. A very, very important um, area of our work is uh, conscious sexuality um, because through um, energet what we call energetic lovemaking, um, we can easily or easy air um, access each other's core uh, without talking, mm -hmm. without the mind, not through the mind, but through the body consciousness. And so that's a very important dimension in our work. So we give a lot of attention there. We have a lot of practices. We're doing workshops right now on that here in, in uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix. Um, and because that's really powerful. And for us, it's been very powerful and very awakening. And, um, and also we want um, people to see that there is a way to, um, to have a very fulfilling and spiritual uh, sexuality that is beyond the physical, the rubbing, the pleasure. There is a pleasure that is beyond all that. It's much more feeling and subtle and beautiful. And But again, you can't be just naked from your clothes. You have to be naked in your heart if you want to access that type of lovemaking. Um, 
And that is, that's exactly what people come to us for. They, they've hit a wall, they're fighting, they're bickering, they can't get past it. This is what we call an intimacy block. It's, it's just a, a, a trauma or a, you know, some sort of a core wounding or protection mechanism that is preventing them from truly opening up and being vulnerable deep to a deeper level with their partner. And often it's around sexuality. Right? One person is looking for something more. There's, there's the one normally women fulfilled and yeah, normally women are looking, they're waiting for their partner to show up in a deeper way. They're waiting for the masculine to get a deeper depth within themselves so they, they can hold a deeper container for the, for the for the relationship. And they often sense it in their body before they can consciously explain. So if the man asks, well, because he he communicates explicitly, okay, what's going on? What do you need? I don't, I don't know. It just feels so like, da-da. and she's like trying to, she's trying to explain, but there's no words because it's deeper than her conscious mind. She's holding more of the subconscious mind awareness and the ma- masculine is trying to translate with his conscious awareness what's really going on in the invisible world in their relationship but if he's not looking inside of himself if he's not going deeper into where he's unconscious then he won't be able to feel and perceive in her body with his awareness what's going on in her so oftentimes that's just what's going on people are in one of those kind of holding patterns or a resistance pattern there's something missing they feel there's something missing they feel it's not complete it's not like i give up with them you know and so they start disconnecting even sexually for one month two months three months become one year ten years (laughs) easily 20 years so many couples that we know 20 years without sexuality and so you said boom <laughs> and then Wait, yes. <clears throat> i would have spontaneously combusted <laughs> and from there obviously you you don't share sexuality but you go somewhere else many times mm-hmm. the lies and the pornography the, and the yeah yeah and then so, it's broken so where the hell can people find you guys to learn more about this? Because right. this is some powerful stuff and it's it's intense, it's confronting, it's raw, it's real, and it's necessary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where can they find you, folks? So there's two, two places you can find us. So our website is www.devotionallove.com. Uh, we're kind of in the reconstruction phase, but you can go there and there's some articles there. We're going to be sharing one of our most powerful tools uh, for anyone who signs up on the mailing list, uh, the, the co-creation exercise. It's really, we found that there's three things you have to do to get aligned in a relationship. And this tool is a structure which does all three of those. So people who are bickering, fighting, it's often a deeper misalignment. If they can realign with this tool, a lot of the bickering, a lot of fighting goes away. You you turn from people who are against each other to people who are supporting each other. So it's a really powerful exercise for me giving that away on the website. Yeah, you go from kind of being um, you know, fighting with one another to being on the same team. And that's that's like an instant change that can happen. And there's and Instagram. Then our Instagram, which is uh, Devotional Love Project, like at Devotional Love Project. Uh, and Facebook as well. Facebook email, at the yeah. Project. We'll put all we'll put all this in the show notes below. For those who are on YouTube, it'll be in the comments, and then uh, on the podcast, it'll be in the show notes as well. So, uh, devotionallove.com, That's a great get for a for a yeah. website. I'm amazed that no one strung those two words together. Clearly, mm-hmm. they were. So, right? so here's an, here's you want to know something interesting. We it was taken. Two years ago, three years ago, however long it was, four years ago when we looked, devotionallove.com was a website in China, a Chinese website that was devotional towards like a FIFA Cup team. I can't remember which team, but it was like Manchester United, something like that. It was like like Chinese people like who worshipped this this sports team. We're like, oh man, no, it's taken. So we got devotionallove.org. So we got that first. We started doing our stuff there. But it's not and anymore. Then, and then like... I was thinking of redoing the website. So I was just like, okay, I'll just set up a Word, WordPress blog literally two or three weeks ago. And I searched and it's like, do you want a domain? Uh, devotionlove.com. And it's like, it's available. I'm like, what? And I looked online, it was available. I got it right away. And so we didn't have it for a while, but 
just for some reason it was meant to be for some reason <laughs> our work is exploding right now so many people are coming there's a huge mass awakening of people ready for this work we're finding our people our community people are you know we really want to create a community that people who just can't there's nothing like this out there there's no space or community for people to yeah. find this kind of conscious spiritual partnership I say this. Yeah. we we our vision extra is to create a community with people with the same desire to create spiritual partnership can come together and support each other in, on this journey and really a space a virtual space that one day will be also a physical space where you know you uh, and him are brothers and can talk about oh i had a fight like you said you know and and talk and support each other and i have sisters there that i can share my path with and and be supported and support and uh, couples that can support together other couples uh individuals that can meet other individuals to create a spiritual partnership so also a way of meeting people that you know they're not they're not willing to do to do the tinder thing you know because they know that's not their way yeah so, yeah superior so uh i'm i'm so happy for you two to be working together it's just such a natural fit and kai i've been blessed to know you for a lot longer than i have gabriella but it just it seems so right that you're doing this work together and it's needed more than ever and when you look at the breakdown of some society not to focus on the doom and gloom but it all stems from like fatherless sons and daughters and and you know the breakdown of the the uh the family unit it all of the you know and it's disproportionate in certain races and creeds but i don't even care about that side of things like i'm a child of divorce and it did horrendous damage to all everyone involved and and i'm very blessed to have gone through what i've gone through and i've broken that cycle of intergenerational trauma my wife has has broken that cycle and we've got this rebuilding phase and there's an awakening happening at things like the plant medicine uh you know there's a lot of stigma around this kind of thing and for someone who just celebrated six years of sobriety from alcohol drugs gambling and you know limiting beliefs the plant medicine journey that i went on was absolutely bloody mind-blowing and one of the best things i've ever done from a healing and forgiveness point of view and it's just taken me you know my shaman lady who's roxanne beck who you might have heard from the book kai from the ultimate coach book said that i when i did nine thousand quantum leaps in my journey which is one of the highest she's ever seen you know like it was just it was just amazing and I've reached level 600 on Hawkins' list. You know, I'm now at um, presence as I was went from courage to presence in one sort of 24-hour thing, and it's only getting better and better. And Anna and I's relationship, which was already fantastic, like has gotten even better. And uh, and I love her more and more and more. That's enough of my monologue. I'd love to know your own concluding thoughts for our audience today, if you had any my my message because it's been my experience is that there is a dimension of love that's beyond all of the personal problems and it's always available but it's often very difficult to experience difficult to touch when you're in a state of trigger or reactiveness or when you're identified with the not self right so know that it's there know that it's accessible the kind of work that we do can help you get there much quicker you don't have to spend you know, months or years bickering and or a lifetime they're very the fast yeah. um, and look every couple needs a coach because your your relationship is a closed container and if you don't have outside perspective it can be very difficult to see the patterns and the cycles that you're in so you know Get a coach, get a mentor, someone that can help you look at your relationship from a higher perspective and make the necessary changes. It can just accelerate things. So it can just accelerate your path so much faster than trying to do it by yourself. And there is stigma around getting help uh, for your relationship. And there's stigma around kind of sharing your intimate details. But when you're willing to, that's when miraculous things can occur. For me, I want to say that. <clears throat> 
it is not just a great possibility that is there, devotional love, what we call devotional love. It's also a responsibility. It's time to wake up because relationships create families that create environment in which we grow new humans for the next generation. So yeah, conscious parenting. But if we don't start from before, from ourselves and the couple, we can be conscious parent as you want. But if we are like that all the time, it's not going to work because we are the environment in which our kids grow. We are the earth, the sun and the water in which flowers and plants can blossom or not. And so we have to start from here and from here. And um, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Gabriella and Kai. Seven days a week and 24 hours Yup, I got the business saying this one sure is up to something Why don't you come and listen? Just don't hit the power button They say I'm crazy when I say I got the superpowers It's Laban Ditchburn and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast The reason for this message was this If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel Or you're seriously thinking about starting something up In order to get your message out into the world I want to make something available to you Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.